Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It's that saying, and we talk about this often, that knowledge is just information. That's the mind. But wisdom is the application of that information. That's the heart. When you take it to heart, when it comes from the heart, apply your heart. Put your heart into it, your whole heart, to instruction, and your ears to words of knowledge. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. If someone knew all the ways to avoid pitfalls and traps, wouldn't you want to know? Without that input, you could really get lost in the weeds. But today, Pastor J.D. is reminding you that these instructions and proverbs are a guide to help you, not to hurt you. When you follow in this path, there is blessing down the road. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Turn in your Bibles, if you're not already there, to Proverbs, chapter 23. Okay, verse 1. This is an interesting proverb. I know I say that about all of them. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you, and (laughs) put a knife to your throat... If you are a man given to appetite, pretty graphic. By the way, this is not literal, okay? Do not, verse 3, desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Wow. What is this about? What is this warning about? Well, here it is. You've got this invitation now and you accept the invitation, you RSVP, and it's an honor because this is a ruler. This is a king that has invited you to sit at his table. Oh my goodness, I'm so honored. So of course you're going to accept. And then you go, and you start eating, and it's delicious. The delicacies are fine and very delicious. And then about... um, Maybe halfway through, you start to realize, wait a minute, he didn't invite me to this dinner because he wanted to honor me or have me at his table because he likes me. No, he has me here for a reason. I've been deceived. I've been manipulated. I've been duped halfway into it. He uh, brings up uh, a topic, a subject, and all of a sudden you find yourself on the receiving end of some questions that he would like to ask of you. And then your heart sinks when you realize, oh, I see now. I see why you were uh, wanting me to come to dinner and accept this invitation and uh, eat with you. It's not because you wanted me to be here with you. It's because you wanted to get something out of me (laughs) when I came here. I've been deceived. And here you've eaten this food, and you've ingratiated yourself, and sort of 
in some regards obligated yourself, now He's got you. I mean, here I just, I invited you. I mean, you know how many people would just be so honored to be invited to sit at the table of a king? And you've been duped. Verse 4, do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. That sounds like a paycheck sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, it just, you're looking at this thing and then all of a sudden it's growing wings and off it goes and away it goes, bye-bye. You know, you've heard that expression, money talks? Well, it does. This proverb tells us what it says when it talks. It says, see ya, (laughs) it's gone. What's the point of this proverb? The point of this proverb is, and it's not talking about hard work, it's talking about overwork for the purpose of amassing money and wealth. Cease. Don't overwork to be rich. Don't set your eyes on that which is not, because if you do, here's what's going to happen. (laughs) It's going to sprout wings and it's going to fly away to heaven. I think about this in the context of, in the secular sense, of those who sacrifice their families, their health on the altar of success, to make money, to amass wealth. I have yet to meet anyone at the end of their life who ever wished they would have overworked more and spent more time at work. Conversely, I, without exception, have had occasion to talk with those whose regret, profound regret, is all that they sacrificed at the expense of this selling of their soul to the company's store, as it were. This overworking day and night. For what? Where is it now? You're not going to take it with you. It's that famous quote, when a very rich man dies, I think it was um, Rockefeller, and the question was asked, how much did he leave? To which one responded very appropriately, all of it, all of it. Here you are, at the end of your life, you've sacrificed your health, you've sacrificed your family, your children, your marriage, and there you lie at the end of your life, and was it worth it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think about it not just in the secular sense again, but I think about it in the spiritual sense, and I'll explain what I mean by that. I think about, and this is a very dangerous trap in the realm of ministry, because it's under the banner of, I'm serving the Lord. Yeah, but at what expense? Uh, You know, I've seen this, I'm sad to say, on the mainland. I watched guys, I mean, they didn't have a mistress. The ministry was their mistress. And they were so involved, so busy in the ministry, 
their wife is at home with the children just languishing. And then when he was home, when he would finally come home, there was nothing left. He's so exhausted, spends no time with his family, no time with his wife, nurturing that relationship, that marriage. I remember one time, this is on the mainland, I, um, and even now with our staff here, this is a biggie for me, and I, I think it would be good for me just to comment on this. I will never allow under my leadership anyone that is serving, whether it's on staff or as a volunteer, to sacrifice their family on the altar of ministry. I will never allow it. I've seen it happen. And I've seen the devastation that will always ensue. I know in my own life, and this is a struggle for me because I tend to be a workaholic. And one of the things that has um, been a good thing for me is that I have my office. I have an office here, but I have an office in the home where I spend most of my time. So I'm present there. And I'm not always available. I mean, sometimes my daughter will come upstairs and I'm in the middle of a very important, you know, sometimes a phone call or a very intense uh, situation that I need to address. And she'll come in and I'll say, not now. And uh, I'm not available. I'm just, you know, not able at this point. Same thing with my wife. Of course, my wife has a little more pull. (laughs) She says, no, I need it now. Okay. Uh, Mr. President, I'll have to call you back. <laughs> My wife needs me. <laughs> no, it's, I'm, I say that jokingly, but uh, seriously, uh, too, in a way. Uh, there are times where, see, and this is a, just as a side note, uh, speaking to one of the things that I've learned and am learning as it relates to marriage after 31, going on 32 years of marriage, that wife needs to feel like she is the most important person in the husband's life next to the person of Jesus Christ. And if she does not, you got problems. Because that's the way God wired her. If the ministry is more important than her, you got problems. You got big problems. Big problems. And especially because it's the ministry. You know, in a corporate setting, that's, you know, maybe a little bit different, but when it's the ministry, I mean, I I remember one situation where this was a pastor on staff, and not a senior pastor, but one of the assistant pastors, and basically he would shame his wife, how dare you come in between me and the ministry to which God has called me. And he just wanted to take this guy. It was not my place to do it at the time. He just wanted to take this guy and take him by the neck. What are you kidding me? Here's the thing. Titus and Timothy, affectionately referred to as the pastoral epistles, make it very clear in no uncertain terms that if your house isn't in order and you're not right with your wife, you are disqualified. You cannot serve in any position in the ministry. Period. End of story. And the, the idea is, and the reason is, if you can't have your house in order, you're going to have the church of God. You're going to, you know, bring order to the church of God. You cannot. You cannot. So be careful. Do not overwork, whether it's in a corporate setting or in a ministry setting. Cease. Verse 6. Now we have 
a similar proverb, but it's different. This time it's not a ruler, it's a miser. Verse 6, do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The morsel you have eaten, (laughs) you will vomit up and waste your pleasant words. Okay, a couple thoughts here. First of all, uh, in verse 7, often quoted, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I want to come back to that, I think, when we get to about verse 12. Very important, because at first read, shouldn't that say he thinks in his mind? Isn't that where we do our thinking? No. Thinks in his heart, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Again, I want to expound on that. But let's talk about what this is saying and the warning that is here. So now this time you're not invited by a king or a ruler. I think about Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego when they were invited by the king to eat of all of his delicacies and they uh, refused. And they were so much healthier physically, for one thing, but also spiritually because they did not eat the delicacies of the king. But this is not talking about a king. This is talking about, I want to be careful how I say this, a cheapskate, a tightwad. Need I go further? I mean somebody that is so tight with the money, they squeak when they walk. Now they've invited you over for dinner, and you've accepted. And uh, you're sitting there, and you're eating, and you're drinking, and it's not long before you realize, wait a minute, I mean outwardly, He's like, yes, go ahead, eat. Inwardly, he's going, that's too much. Do you know how much this cost? How could you do this? Because he's counting everything, because he's that cheap. He's a miser. You know, there's a saying, I think this was a, a Larry Burkett saying, he says, he compares and contrasts the spendthrift to the miser. You know, the spendthrift, they spend everything they get right? To the miser who gets all they can and cans all they get. So he says, the spendthrift, the spender says, money is made round so you can let it roll. And the miser says, no, (laughs) money is made round and flat so you can stack it up until you invite somebody over for dinner and they eat it all up. That's what this is saying. What he's saying on the outside is not what he's thinking on the inside in his heart. In his heart he is cursing you. On the outside he's saying to you, yeah, eat, eat, eat. And then you do, you take him up on it. And then you realize, oh, he really didn't want me to because he's so cheap. And here he's offered me this, what did he think? I wasn't going to accept. Hey, I'll take, I'll take a good meal anytime I can get my hands on it, right? And you will vomit it up and waste your pleasant words, because his heart is not with you. Verse 9, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, 
for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Don't waste your time. Don't bother. I think about what Jesus said. Uh, Don't cast your pearls before swine. You know how it is when you can speak truth, wisdom, and the person is, I mean, they're like dismissive of it, not interested in it. I mean, they, they are, again, I'm just quoting the analogy that the Savior gives. They're like a pig wearing a pearl necklace. You think that pig's going, did you see these pearls? No, the pig is like, I mean, can I eat it? If I can't eat it, I'm going to trample on it. And that's what the proverb is saying. Don't even bother. Don't waste your breath. One of the things I'm learning, I always like to say I'm learning. I don't want to say I've learned it because that kind of comes off. Well, first of all, it's arrogant. You know, well, I've I've arrived because I've learned. No, I'm always learning. And God is always teaching me. But one of the things I'm learning is to discern between whether or not the person with whom I am speaking is interested in an answer or an argument. You know, when I was younger, I was so naive slash foolish, and I would just get baited in, and I'm thinking, hey, you know, I'm just going to win them over. I'm going to talk them into it. And even when it comes to sharing the gospel, I think we err greatly when we think that we're going to talk somebody into getting saved. Listen, if you could talk them into it, all it's going to take is for someone to talk them out of it. That's not how they come to Christ. The Spirit of God leads them to Christ. So don't waste your time, the Apostle Paul writes, in these foolish arguments. You're not getting anywhere. In fact, if anything, they're digging their heels in more. And this person doesn't, they're not interested. Move on. Just shake the sand off your slippers and go on to the next person. And if they're not interested, don't waste your breath. Verse 10, do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty. Verse 11, He will plead their cause against you. This speaks to how it was in those times when the father, the man of the house, would die and leave behind these fields to their children who are now orphaned or widows. And there would be those who would try to take advantage of it. And they would move the landmarks to get more land and basically steal. Don't do that. because God is taking notice, and God takes very seriously the plight of the poor. I think about in the Gospels how Jesus was attracted to, drawn to, spent most of His time with the helpless and the hopeless. He came for the sick, not the well. The well don't need a physician. So, I think about James, where he writes about how that pure, undefiled religion is caring for the widows, the orphans, those in prison. That's pure, undefiled religion. You get the impression, and rightfully so, that God takes very seriously the plight of the poor. Verse 12, here it is. Apply your heart 
to instruction, not your mind, your heart, to instruction, and your ears to words of knowledge. Okay. Stay with me on this. So the difference between the mind and the heart, and I'm just thinking now about Paul writing to the Philippians in chapter 4 verses 6 through 8, where he basically says the cure for worry, you want to know how to worry about nothing, pray about everything and thank God for anything, and the peace of God will surpass, that surpasses human understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds at peace in Christ Jesus. What he's saying there is, and he's distinguishing between the peace that comes from understanding, we say it like this, peace of mind. Oh, now I can have peace of mind. Now I understand. Paul's not talking about that kind of peace, the peace that comes from understanding. No, he's talking about a peace that surpasses. I don't have understanding yet. I can still have peace that surpasses understanding. How is that possible? Oh, in the heart. It's a matter of the heart, because now you've taken it to heart. That's where it will, I know this is going to rhyme and sound dorky, but it will start in the heart. It's a matter of the heart. So let me take it a step further. When I have a uh, mental understanding of it, it doesn't mean that I've taken ownership of it in my heart. I know it in my mind, but I don't own it in my heart. When I take it to heart, that's when it's been applied. Again, this is across the board in many respects, but it's that saying, and we talk about this often, that knowledge is just information, that's the mind. But wisdom is the application of that information. That's the heart. When you take it to heart, when it comes from the heart, apply your heart. Put your heart into it, your whole heart, to instruction, and your ears to words of knowledge. Verse 13. This is going to be fun. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Let me first and foremost say, and this is very important, please hear me, this in no way is suggesting that we abuse physically our children. What I believe this is speaking to is the passive parent who does not correct. Proverbs is a book of action. The sage life applications written in its pages not only give you something to think about, but they inspire you to act upon what you've read. As you continue to study this book with Pastor J.D., approach each nugget of wisdom prayerfully, asking God to show you how you can incorporate it into your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word. We'd be honored to be praying for you during this study. Would you let us know how we could be doing that for you? You can connect with us by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com, and clicking on Contact under the About tab. We'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter. and You're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor J.D.'s teachings are also available on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. 
Are you part of a church? We want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area if you haven't already. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor J.D.'s teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. It can help you start a conversation with someone you love. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to you.